Hello and welcome to Stand Up World, episode 50, right Patrick? 5-0, big one with Josh. Say hello to Patrick Arnold. How's In going, from Mike? Boston, via the internet, and uh, we have a really great show. And I'm glad. Uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving, Patrick? I did. It was great. Yeah. I'm with the family, caught up with some relatives. How about you? I did. I did. Had a good time. And uh, I was at the comedy store the other night. It was fun. I was at the comedy store and <laughs> in the middle of my show, this lady just out of nowhere, she yelled out. She, she goes, <laughs> He goes, my mother saw you here when you were 18. <laughs> Holy shit. Right? That's just, just out of nowhere. And I went, <laughs> I went, and I'm 28 now. Don't do drugs. <laughs> oh, that's great. But it was just such a weird thing that's for so someone funny. to yell out. It was was she like my age? How old was she? She, I don't know. She was probably thirty-five, I guess. Wow. I don't know, but That's it was so, funny. Fu- it was so funny, and uh, I don't know. I said, "Don't do drugs." And oh, I, said, <laughs> I said, "Let me tell you something. I'm sixty-five. I've been doing drugs nonstop since I was fifteen. Do the math. That's twenty years." <laughs> that's funny yeah no but it was it was fun it was a good night and um everything's good you know everything's really good i was uh i will say i was down in naples florida and i i've been wanting to get in at this club off the hook do you know that club at all I've seen it a lot of spots. Yeah, I've just seen it on social media. Gets a it's lot a very of very cool club. And I yeah. I went my buddy Josh Wolf was playing there and I went in to see him and he threw me up. I did a little guest set and met the owner and that was good. And I corralled him in also to being our guest today. He's pretty amazing. He's a, he's really such a great comic. He really is. Boston guy. Yep, from Massachusetts. He's great. Yep. And um another another guy just even though he 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 also went the mainstream route too with Chelsea lately and a lot of sitcoms he did, but he he created his own world. And I, I just love him. Let's let's get let's get talking. Josh! Josh Wolf, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I I really am. Say hello to Patrick. He's, hello, Patrick. He's in Boston. He's part of a special needs program that I brought on, and um, he's he's our producer, and he's doing really well. He's yeah. Doing- he's kept the drool to a minimum, which oh, has been nice. It's great. We're only thirty seconds in, so I'm good so far. It's great. Wow. And you you see that blurry background behind him? Yeah. That's everywhere he goes. I'm not. I, I'm not. Ex, I'm not sure. I was expecting that deep voice. 
That was a bit of a James Earl Jones shocker to me. <laughs> wow. All right. Nice. What's up? Whoa. Okay. Now you're just showing off, Patrick. I tried to put a little stink on it. Yeah, I put a little stink on it. <laughs> yeah. But Patrick is in Boston. I met him in Boston, and he works for John Tobin, who has the, the you know, Laugh Boston. Yeah. And- and all those clubs there. And I love John. John's a great guy. He's a good dude, man. Real good John dude. is a ask not. <laughs> he's, got, he's just so Boston. Yeah. A hundred. You know, there are some cities, and I'm from Massachusetts, you know. I know you are. And there are some cities in the country that are just so, like, the people are so unique to that city. And man, Boston is one of those places, without a doubt. Absolutely. The humor too. The 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 some I think some of the funniest people ever, ever, ever come out of that one tiny little spot. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, if you think about the 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 Boston comedy scene, there's no there's there's a lot of comedy scenes and comedy towns, but I don't I can't think of, in terms of stand-up, any town that has been as consistent year after year, generation after generation, as Boston. They also have always, even the quote-unquote clean comics coming out of Boston have a little bit of a bite, you know? I'll tell you one of my favorite comics of all time, who, who probably is most people don't know about unless you are you know like love comedy is lenny clark oh and and lenny's gone through different incarnations you remember sweatpant lenny when he could just fit into sweatpants yeah yeah (laughs) and how he was 350 pounds doing an eight ball every night is i don't know how that worked but 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 his comedy wow i mean lenny to me is an all-timer, all-timer. I think Lenny used to have a line and say, "You know, you're too fat when you get home, and you get you just you, you need to pull your sweatpants off." <laughs> yeah, yo, Joe Diaz used to say, "You know, Joe used to be really big." He would, one of my favorite lines was, "He was like, look at me, I'm 360 pounds. I do an eight ball a night. What are they cutting the shit with butter?" <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, Mike, I started with two of the most unique, in my mind, most unique comics ever. So I started with Joey and a guy named Brody Stevens. Brody. Oh, man. Yeah. So I started with those two guys in Seattle. And it was fascinating for me to watch them because I couldn't be any more different than the, the two of those guys. But you know what, watching them early on, I got a really crash course lesson in, oh yeah, yeah, the the quicker you can get to being yourself. Because both of those guys would write jokes, right? And when they would write jokes, they would eat shit. But as soon as they kind of lost it a little bit on stage and just became themselves, one night Brody, the first night we saw him kind of melt down on stage, he was telling these jokes and we were, we had been doing comedy for like a year, two, maybe. And his jokes were terrible. Like all of ours were terrible. Right. 
and he just started to lose it. And he goes, you know, it's not easy for me being a, you know how hard it is for as a single man living by himself to shave his own back. And he goes, I've got trouble spots. And he lifted up the back of his shirt and there were patches <laughs> on his back that he couldn't reach with his hands. I, the whole place blew up, but I, but every time he jumped out of his material and into true Brody, it was amazing. I also got to watch Mitch Hedberg. He went on this, it was such a great time to be in Seattle. He went on this, uh, like I think with a guy named Chard Hogan. I'm not sure if you ever heard of Chard. No. But um, he they they took a van across the country and just hit open mics and would have, you know, I think they had the places pay him like chicken fingers or they'd clean up a little bit or whatever. And Mitch basically, I'm going to paraphrase, I remember asking him, how was it? And he was like, well, I'm like a 10 percenter. And I said, what does that mean? And he goes, I just know that when I walk into a place, only 10% of the people are going to get me. I just need to get those 10% together. And he was right. Not, not everybody. You don't want, what did Stern say? You'd rather have 10% of the people love you than 90% of the people like you. That's, that's it. Right. I think it. No, and that's it, right. Yeah. But I also think, and this is one of the things that I love about where stand-up is right now, is it's in an era of authenticity. And nobody is interested at all in anybody coming out and creating a character. You know, oh, who he's, <laughs> hello, you know, everybody is, who are you at your core and how can I relate to it? And absolutely, the more you can be. And by the way, Josh, I really, that's one of the things I love about you and, and, and why I think you're so successful. I, I mean, look, you, your material is great, but you can make anything a routine in your life. Oh, I, I, I just, I can't believe it. And this is what I was going to tell you before. The other night, Patrick, I was down in Florida and, um, and, he was playing a club that I, that, what's it, off the hook, right? Off the hook, yeah, yeah. Off the hook, and I really want to go there and get in there, and and he he introduced me to the guy, and which is which is the state of my life right now. It's like they were like, who? <laughs> it's just so funny, but which is fine, you know. That's just the the cycles of life. It's but, comedy is continuously humbling. It, it sure is. And it's, it, let me tell you, it needs to be, but, but he told the story, he got on stage and he told the story about something that happened at the club. And, and it remind, just remind me what had the story. That one so story. the year before I was there, there was a guy in the audience who pulled a knife out of his sling. Right. Okay. He had right. his arm in his sling and he took his, a knife out of there. So this guy did, and he, he did, he truly opened with a 15, 10, 15 minute routine that was, that I thought he must open everywhere. This is a routine. This, this story is so perfect and so 
so many jokes, so many bits, so many, and, and the audience was going crazy. You know, I, I've seen guys do that. Go, hey, yeah, I'm here. I'm welcome to Royal Oak, Michigan. Last time I was here, do you remember? Anyone remember when the guy said? And I said, so you must do that in every town. He goes, no, that's I haven't. Last time I was, and if you go on YouTube, Josh has a thing called like just weird stories, and he tells these stories that have happened to him on stage so perfectly so that you realize they're great stories they're great things crazy things have happened to him but his gift is to just be able to turn them instantly into classic comedy routines i really appreciate that dude like more than you know especially coming from someone like you who not only is a i an expert joke writer but you are a storyteller you're oh. like you write you're a you tell stories and so yeah. i love are, i love stories i me love too. stories it's all about stories to me you know but you you have an ability to thank you i mean another guy could say a guy last night was wearing a kilt and man anyway i finally i just looked up but, but you can turn that kilt thing and and i i want to show it the latest weird thing that happened happened in Dallas. And so there was a dude in the front row wearing a kilt. And I've always wanted to, and it was sticky in Dallas like it is here. So I asked him, I go, hey, why the kilt? And he goes, man, I, I wore it one day when it was super humid, and I haven't gone back to pants since. He said, it is so comfortable. He said, if you can get past the fact that kilt is just another word for skirt, you're going to be really comfortable. And I asked him, I go, and he was, he was, you know, he was, had red hair, red beard. He, he was on the wrestling circuit, smaller circuit in East Texas. And he had like this, you know, Irish leprechaun gig thing he was doing, you know. And, and so he wore the kilt everywhere. And I asked him, I go, oh, I've always wondered though. I go, uh, do you wear underwear under the kilt? And he said, I'm going to tell you what I tell everybody else. You got to lift it up to find out. And I said, I got to tell you something. You're challenging the wrong guy. Because <laughs> I know everybody else said no, right? He goes, yeah, well, I go, I'm going to lift that motherfucker up right now. It's genius because it just goes and goes. And he, he does it and he, he takes the, the audience back to, and you feel your 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 need to compete with this guy yet at the same token you, you don't you're not really sure what's underneath that kilt the guy in the it's it's just great that's how i fell in love with you josh too is just telling stories on uh the church of what's happening with joey and oh, yeah. i had really no idea even what stand-up was back in the day i think it was like 2016 like i was just like in high school but i i was so captivated by the stories you guys would tell and how many like laughs you guys would get from each other. It was just so engaging, so entertaining. I loved all of your stuff like that too. Well, storytelling is everything. It's everything. I mean, you go back to, you know, just cavemen telling around the, the fire, but nowadays to be able to, to tell comedic stories and, and yes, Joey does. And I mean, you know, Mike, it's interesting people. I'm sure people have asked you this before, like, 
well, what part of the country gets your material or what part, you know, like, do you work better in other, I, and I tell people, I think stories are universal, whether that has happened to you or not is irrelevant. It's the feeling you felt out of place before you felt competitive with someone before the core feeling you've had. So whether that experience you've had or not, like I tell a story about jumping off of a, a needle in New Zealand. And a, ne- a needle? A space needle. Oh, the space needle? Well, the, they you know how they have those needles everywhere, right? Those oh, yeah. giant, like the one in Seattle, and they have one yeah. in... Yeah, so they have one in New Zealand you can jump off. And it's like a... Tw- I bet you it's a 24-minute story. Um, And I somebody said something to me. They said, this is my favorite story of yours. And I go, oh, have you jumped off that? And they go, no. I go, are you scared of heights? And they said, no. <laughs> and I go, why is it? They said, because, and they said what their fear was. I related to how scared you were. That's it. That's the story. Like, you don't have to have experienced what I experienced, but we're all scared of something, which makes it something you can listen to, you know? You know that, um, did you ever see that, there was that Harrison Ford movie with, um, What's that actress? She just died in a car accident. A car accident? Yeah, she's she, she died. Princess Diana? No, 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 no. Uh, you know she she was married to Ellen Gen- DeGeneres for about a minute and oh, Anne Hesh. Anne Hesh. She died in a car accident, but yeah. she did this movie with, and it, and they jump off a cliff together. Yeah, and it was in Hawaii, and we were in Hawaii years ago. And we went up with this local, this friend of mine who was a, a, a film guy on one of my movies. He lived there. So he took me up there on this cliff. And, and he said, yeah, people jump off here. And, he did. and I don't know what the hell happened. But he said, he goes, let's jump. And I said, I thought at first I thought he was kidding me, this and that. And he jumped. And he told me what to do, and and I followed him. I jumped. I took this fucking jump. It was it was cra- and it's so out of my character, and, <laughs> and it was so crazy. It was so crazy that I did it. Right? Yeah. I go home. <laughs> I just can't believe it. I told a friend about it. Who, he said he was staying at the hotel that I was staying. I go, there's a cliff there from that Harrison Ford movie. Have someone take you up there and show you how to do this jump. I did it. It was so exhilarating. The guy broke his collarbone, his his his, his upper arm. <laughs> what did I? T- I'm so sorry. I it felt like if I could do it, anybody could do it. He go and he said to me, he goes. That's what I thought too. <laughs> he said, I thought if Mike Viner can do this, how could it be a problem for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But he came, he was like this and like this for months. When you, I mean, do you still know this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you for the rest of our days together, I would remind him how much more athletic I was than him. 
<laughs> I know, right? I would be like, take, take careful stepping down off that curb, fella. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, Your yeah, bones yeah. seem to be a little more brittle than mine, so. Yeah, yeah, I teased him for years about yeah. it, but, it, but it became something that he was like, okay, 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 okay. I, I love that. I, I, um, yeah, I think I would probably, like something like that, I would enjoy, I'm the youngest of four boys, so I would enjoy torturing somebody forever. All I need is a sliver. My my kids and my wife know now, never to mention what they don't like. Because that is gumming on repeat for as long as I can remember. Like, that's just how I operate, you know? That's, that's how right. I was raised as the younger brother. Like, doing something to somebody one time isn't funny, but 40 times, that's really funny. That's right. I'm one of four boys too, you know. You are? Yeah, I'm one. I'm the second of four, and we were four boys and and troublemakers, you know. And uh, where where'd you grow up? Detroit. Oh shit! All right. Yeah, but um, I was gonna tell you the other side of the, the thing is like my kids. If my kids see any weakness in me or any way to tease me, they love it. Mm -hmm. They just they have always from from the time they could the talk. I'm the family punching bag, you know, because they just love to take shots. You know, yeah. they just love to take shots. Uh, you know, dad, you need to go take a nap, you know, go, yeah. this, this, is, this is too much. This is too much drama for you. Go take yeah. a nap. You know, they yeah. just, they just love to go, you know, this is. Oh, th Mike, as soon as I hit 50, the old jokes, just came oh of course every conversation i'll get on the phone with my oldest son trevor and he'll be speaking so loudly i'm like what are you doing he's like i just want to make sure you can hear me i'm like fuck you that's really funny i so, can so you. you have trevor and jacob and who else and the daughter, daughter right caitlin right in the middle yeah what's her name caitlin caitlin yeah that's great. and yeah you know uh and Jacob travels with me. You saw that Jacob travels with me. I, I will tell you. Too, man. Oh, come on. You know what's interesting watching him? I will tell you, traveling with him has re-energized me. I love watching. I, I love what. Look, man, I think I'm a lot like you. I absolutely love stand-up comedy. I love comics. I love, you know, every Monday I do a... By the way, every Monday night I do a show in Vegas. You're welcome to come hop on stage. I want to come. I've been, I I at at Jimmy's Club, right? Yep. 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 Don't don't ask again cuz I'll come. I want to do it. And anytime, dude. Anytime you want. Right. But I I I'm in the green room with other, with young comics. And they come and I, you know, I throw some on stage. I'm a young comic? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I just watched your joke about a day at Disneyland on Instagram. I was like, I put that up this morning. I was like, 1984. I think I was still a virgin in 1984. I, I'm sure you were. <laughs> I put that up because I thought, you know, this, by the way, when, when I was a kid, that was, the, that was the only joke that really took off for me. Like when I would play a club, because I was one of the first comedy club headliners because I was on a show called Make Me Laugh. And we, so I, I 
filled clubs in the early days of the comic, but everyone, they at Disneyland. Every I would get on stage. Everyone and I did. I would only. I would. I'll end with. The, I'll code do that at the end, you know. And I did it on my HBO special. And but that was really, or to this day, if someone remembers me, they go, "Yeah, you did." So I said, "You know what? I'm going to put that up as a reel, just for kicks and shits and giggles." You know. You know, I remember my first joke that I remember thinking, "Oh, that's a real laugh." Like Which that was it. I was, it was, I was in Seattle. I had, I had, I needed money. So I had gone to a sperm bank to see what the deal was, you know? <laughs> Is this true? Yeah. And <laughs> I, I found out that it's very difficult to become a sperm donor, that they accept less than 6% of their applicants, which means that, especially at the time, statistically, it was easier to get into Harvard Law School than it was to become a sperm donor. And you know what that tells me? There's a lot of picky fucking lesbians. Yeah. That was the first joke. I remember, now I probably couldn't tell that joke now, even though I just did. But I remember there was a pop. I was like, oh, like that's a, that's a. I, I was going to say, I was going to say when you said, say, you know, that tells me that 94 guys went into a room and jerked off for no reason. <laughs> and then I thought, that's pretty much every day on my, in my neighborhood. That's Tuesday. <laughs> that's Tuesday. <laughs> but Josh, you were saying that being on the road with your son energizes you, and then you get to do the show with Young Comics on Mondays. What, finish that. I don't yeah. want you to lose your train of thought. Yeah, oh. that's right. Thank you. Uh, that type of energy... Uh, because I remember being in Seattle and going to a place called the Hurricane Cafe after open mics and sitting around when it wasn't a business, when it was just, how do we get funnier? That's right. That's it was right. such a pure time of like, oh, hey, you know what works here? You know what works here? You know what works here? And we would go back and forth. And so when you're talking to these younger comics who are still just Really, I mean, it's more of a business now from the jump because of Instagram and you market yourself. And there are some people who are great marketers, but not great comics. But and that doesn't seem to matter. But the the pure. Yo, Joe Diaz said this to me the other day. He was like, I, I would love what I miss is just the purity of going to a place where nobody knows you and just getting on stage and doing stand-up and then talking stand-up after the set. It was That's so... Right. Me too. But yeah. by the way, let me just say something. Man, Jacob goes on stage at this club off the hook, which is such a... And, and then Jacob was going to bring me up because they let me go up before him. And Jacob's doing his bit, and he does this bit about um, the come and go, which is a... Uh, a chain of gas stations, which I, cause I saw them in Colorado and he's doing the bit and Josh and I are standing against a sidewall and it was so cute. It's so, and I totally got it as, as a dad and you know, he does the bit and it, it, the bit goes great. Josh looks at me, he didn't do his best joke up on this. And he tells me the joke as he's going into, <laughs> and it was just so like, 
Yeah, that was good, but he didn't do his best joke. <laughs> Mike, a bad move, yeah. To be able to sit with one of my favorite people in the world and not only be in his company, but then to talk about something that I love so dearly is such a gift. Like to be it's out the there. It's the best. Best. Absolute no, best. It's the best. Now, the funny thing is my son is... We can talk about movies all the same way. He doesn't. He doesn't love stand-up comedy. He 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 doesn't have that. He 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 likes it, but oh, and he's gonna kill me if he sees this. But he's he's he he's so woke. I guess I don't know what it is. He just yeah. he doesn't he doesn't love what I love about stand-up comedy. That I like people that push the edge and and force people to hear things they don't want to hear and I, I always loved the George Carlins and the Richard Pryors and Lenny Bruce that I always thought stand-up comedy was a comic was supposed to say the things that you're not that you want wished you said but you're not allowed to say mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah I do you know I have in my I've changed a little bit. That's the comedy that I like. I think that's the comedy most comics like. I've changed a little bit in that you know, some people's, you know, my job is to entertain the, the people who came to see me. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I hear you. That's it. My job is to entertain. Like, <clears throat> you know, I, depending on what day or, I vary my shows up. Like the show you saw, the show before that, was a completely different show. And sometimes more guitar, sometimes no guitar, sometimes one song, right? Um, but my job, like, I, I was, I, dude, I was so scared for a long time to post guitar clips because I know what comics say, you know? And I was like, I want comics to, that's none, that's none of my- By concern. the way, you know who was like that? You know, you know, Bob Saget was one of my best friends. Yeah. Since we were little kids. Since we were a little kid, you know, from I met him when I was 19, you know, and he, but he always was so, uh, no one, no one respects a guitar guy, you mm -hmm. know, and he, he got, finally just got over it and said, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I want to, I just want to do what I want to do. That's what it was for me. It's fun. And I don't consider myself a guitar guy. I, no matter how much guitar I do. I'll do yeah. an hour of stand-up up front. You know? Yeah. The guitar's fun. People Neither did Bob. By the way, Bob didn't he just like to he liked to do it. He, and he, but he said as soon as I do it, I'm the guitar guy. That's it. That's it. I actually remember seeing him bring out a guitar on stage and thinking, "Oh, I didn't know he played guitar." And I asked him, he was like, "Yeah, I don't I don't really, you know, it's not something he publicize that he but his, his songs were super funny you know what it is his first ending bit is, is bit, he had a guitar wired up with a bottle of water a, a, a tube of water so and he would sing while my guitar gently weeps and then he would open it and, and the guitar would just start sweeping spraying water all over him that was his big closing what was do you remember your first closer that you thought was just dynamite yeah yeah i it wasn't dynamite you know oh of course it wasn't no no no, no it was a, it was a 
a reverend bit, a, you know, pray, you know, uh, doesn't the Lord, you know, the Lord wants me to drive a Porsche, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I don't even remember it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I told you, I think I told you what I did over um, quarantine is I took my very first comedy CD and I, I took all the premises and rewrote all the jokes. Wow. Because I wanted to see how different of a comic I was and what I think about those premises now and how diff where I go with the difference in my joke writing, which obviously is uh, completely different, but it was such a cool, um, it was such a cool kind of thing to put a task to put on myself. And then I, 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 I did it live and it was such a fun because I would on a couple of the jokes, I would do the original joke first and then I would do the new version of it. It was such a cool experiment, man. Yeah. I, yo, I, when I, I love writing. I, I am not shy about posting things that I've only been doing for two months. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not precious about, Oh, I got to keep that for the special or I got to, I'm very confident that I'm, I can write more material. Oh, you I, can see that. You can see how fluid you are in all your stuff. And that's a gift. That's a gift. I thank you. I, I, to me, the only, my only thing about it is, and I, I, I try not to be too precious, but I, I just feel like, especially since I've been back, I'll do a bit and I'll write a bit. And it'll just keep getting better and better and better and better. And I'll go, God, I wish I hadn't posted that, you know? And, and that's my, that's the only feeling that I'm starting to have, you know? And, but, you know, by the way, I think, especially with somebody who's as good of a joke writer as you are, you could, it could always be better. Yeah. I think it can always, I, when is a joke done? Just when you say it is, because you can always go back and find a, a, another stone to turn over or a, a, another joke at the end of a joke, another tag. Like, I think so. I, I'll tell you, though, you know, I, I had such a long downtime when I wasn't doing stand up that I didn't, none of them, I, other than posting that clip from 1984. And, I only, there was only one joke that I had done that I was using when I first got back up a year and a half ago. And it was this joke that I did in my early HBO special and I posted and I, I was ending with it because it was a really, it was really working and I made a clip of it and it went to like 2 million views, right? But so many of them were like, this guy stole this. I saw this on a fucking HBO. This this guy. And then one guy said, I this and then one guy finally said, Yeah, he stole it from Mike Binder. And, <laughs> and another guy went go, look at the guy's name. It is Mike Binder. But it was just so funny. But it was the only like, But look at their two faces. There's no way that guy is that guy. <laughs> but it, it, it was the only joke. And it, and it, it had been, I had done it so long ago, it had gone into the ether and people had figured it wasn't my joke anymore, you know? 
That's amazing. And, yeah, it was uh, the other Mike Binder. It was a younger, better looking Mike Binder. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so yeah. funny. It's so Josh, funny. when you did that exercise, did you find that a lot of the premises were still very funny? Or were you like, oh, I can't even believe I thought this was funny back in the day? Because I'm curious as to how true someone's comedy sense is. You know what I mean? From like, if some people just have it from the start as an open micer, or if it takes a really good time to develop, you know? Well, here's a couple things that I realized. First of all, I realized that I don't know that I've stopped thinking as premises as funny. If they're interesting to me, I can, I think I can make it funny. I be because it, it comes out of my point of view. So is it, is it something I want to talk about? It's not if it's fun, the premise is funny or not. But I also found that, you know, as I got older, I became way more of a storyteller than a joke teller, which I think happens to a lot. Most people don't start telling stories. So what I found with a lot of the jokes is I, I, I made them stories. Like I put them in the, I, I made it more of a story, more of a long form, because that's where I'm more comfortable now. I love um, you know, and I, I think podcasts have a, has a lot to do with this. People are willing to listen to a story. Mike, you remember when all people would tell you is laughs per minute? How many laughs per minute you got? Yep. How many laughs per minute? And thank God that's not a thing anymore because podcast opened up long form story where people are willing to listen if it's interesting. Listen, you know? I think podcasts have done so much for stand-up comedy when i got back to do the comedy store documentary it was that the impetus for you wanting to get back on stage it might have been it might have been you know a combination of but i had nothing to, i knew nothing about podcasts i i, I mark Marin asked me to be on his podcast and i i, I he asked me a couple times i said no i don't want to do that i don't you know and and then finally I did it and we talked about the comedy store. But when I got back there and I started dealing with the new guys, because I had my old guys from my era, like Leno and Letterman and Jim Carrey. And, but when I started dealing with Burr and I, I knew Burr, Burr had been in one of my movies and we, but, but, um, but all these guys like, like Santino and, and, Segura and Rogan and all these guys that had podcasts and Whitney, I realized, and, and even Harlan Williams, who I knew from that. One of my favorites. He's great. But they were, were doing these podcasts once a week or twice a week, whatever. And it made them f more fluid. It made them better on stage it, because it just made them, A, I think they were probably coming up with a lot of ideas on just talking for an extra hour a day. For sure. But, but more, it just fluid, made them more alive and taught them how to be just alive as themselves. You know, what I love about this iteration of comedy we're in right now is it truly should feel like a conversation. Mm -hmm. In my part of the conversation, the audience's part of the conversation is the laughter. But the people are, I don't know too many people who are telling jokes 
at an audience anymore, right? It, it's this, sometimes the jokes sneak up on you. You know, I think one of the reasons so many people are getting into stand-up now. I mean, you use Burr as a, an example, and I think Burr is like, come on. He makes it look so easy with the way he just kind of leans on the microphone and just kind of talks to you that there are people, when people watch him, they're like, oh, I could, I could do that, right? He, the best, look, yo, Nate Bargatze. Unbelievable. Do you know what I find? You know what I love about Nate? Not only is he effortlessly funny, but his delivery to me is very, and you made, is like a, is this generation's kind of Bob Newhart. I, I, I said that. I, 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 I believe that. I totally think that. I love it. I love the understated. He throws away some jokes that are some of the best. I, and how Effortless, because I, I bet you if you wrote out Bargazzi's set, I bet you some of his biggest punchlines, you might not even be able to pick out on the page. Yeah, no, I, th I, th I think he is. He is, even when I saw him do that George Washington sketch on SNL. And there's another guy named Greg Warren who, who Nate directed, and he he's kind of got a Bob Newhart vibe which I love, but I these guys, these guy, he, and he, he did a whole special on peanut butter. Have you seen this yet? No, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's called the salesman. And he, cause he used to sell peanut butter. And he, That's amazing. he made a special about the world of peanut butter. It's amazing. It's, it's and Nate directed it. It's fucking brilliant. There are so many top-notch comedians right now. There are so many. We are truly at an age where you're like, when you look at, sometimes I look at like a comedy club calendar. I'm like, killer, 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 killers. It's so, uh, it's, I feel so lucky to be in this pocket with these people yep. doing it at the same time. It's so and you know what I love? You know what I love, Josh? This is what's so cool. And, may, and I don't know if it's because I'm 65 or and I don't know. And I don't think it is. I think it's the way the world. I feel no competition. I don't. I, I just like one of the reasons when people say, do you miss doing stand-up all the years? I would go, no, because I love to laugh and I sit in the back and I don't go, oh, I wish I wrote that or I wish you did that. But then I got back into it and I realized I'm still sitting in the back laughing and, yeah. and, I, and I don't think, I never think, oh man, I wish I wrote that or that guy's, why is that guy doing so good? Because we're not, not none of us are in competition and that's why this is called stand-up world because I love the new world of stand-up and I love guys like you that create your own path and, and your own channel. And I was talking to somebody the other night about how, you know, you, you're doing your own thing, but you also work with your son. And, and I, I don't know anybody, there's no father and son act in comedy, you know? Yeah. And, and there's just so many ways that people are doing it nowadays. And you're right. There's, I can go on and on and on about great killers and none of them, are in the way of each other in any way. As long as you are authentically you, there's no competition. No, yeah. there, because there's no other you, right? 
which is why so, there's so many comics who have kind of grasped onto that. There, as long as you're being yourself, there's no there's no competition. Now, I it's it's interesting. I also find like back when we were writing just jokes, jokes. I, I, you would hear more of, oh, he's kind of going to joke like that. Oh, they kind of have the same because you, it's a broad premise. And a lot of times you end up in the same punchline area, you know, but because people are being more authentic, I see less and less of that. And I watch a lot of stand up. I, I, I agree. I totally agree. In fact, I was, did this thing with Rogan. And he, he kind of got, I think he got a little upset with me because <laughs> we were, we were talking about that whole premise of stealing. And, and I was like, I don't buy it. You know, I just don't think it's important. It's just a joke, you know, because right now we're all about voice and no bullshit. He, you know, and I get what he was saying. Cause he, and he, we were taught, we were actually talking about him with the whole Carlos Mencia thing oh, yeah. and everything. And, and I, and I just always felt like once you got your voice, jokes weren't that important anymore, you know? And I feel like what you're saying is it's more about a voice nowadays and the people, once you get a voice, you know, once you get, when, once Whitney gets her pop, 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 you don't really think about how taking any one of her jokes is going to hurt her, you, you know, oh, it's going to hurt you more than that, you know? But that's what also people, you know, Patrick, you mentioned Joey, right? People are, because we're doing less set up punchline jokes and we're letting people in a little more, people are attaching themselves emotionally to comics because they're like, that's me. I, I feel that, yo, you know, um, if you've never seen the way people react to Joey Diaz when he walks on stage. Oh man, he's amazing. But they, his book, by the way, was so good. Did you read his book? Yes. Oh fuck. That was, you know, he got nominated for a Grammy. He did for, for his, oh, Joey got nominated for a Gram. For, <laughs> for, an, for, uh, his audio book. Everybody else gets a Grammy. Joey just gets a Gram. Dude, listen, he needs more than a gram. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. <laughs> that book, that book, by the way, can I just say something? Yeah. I don't want to, this is not a. That's amazing. Was your computer on the book? Yeah. I was going to say, did you have Yo, that's the <laughs> oldest thing I'm going to do today. Yeah, I love the book. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I need a better angle, so I'm gonna prop up. Yeah. <laughs> when I came back to do the Comedy Store documentary, Adam Egan introduced me to Rogan, who I'd never met, in the kitchen, and he said, "Who are you gonna interview?" I said, "I don't, I don't know yet." And he said, "Joey Diaz." Joey Diaz. I went, "Okay." <laughs> he goes, "He's a killer. Start there." And, and I would tell you right now, for 15 minutes, peak 15 minutes, 
zero people funnier than Joey Diaz. Oh, it's unbelievable. He can get in that in that OR in the comedy store. The the, the I've never felt energy like that before. And for 15 minutes, you're at 100. He has got the pedal to the fucking metal. Have you, Mike? Have you seen him do that to the room? It's oh, like, yeah, of course. Uh, I've, I've, several times but my favorite thing uh, we were interviewing him and i said to him he said, says he was talking about his daughter he goes you know it's my fucking daughter i was i when i was 12 i was 12 she, you know she she doesn't do nothing you know she doesn't do nothing uh, she's just sitting around i i was you know selling drugs and i go she's 12 joey she's 12 she goes i know but you know she I'm not doing fucking nothing. Mike. 12. Mike, I got to send you a clip. What's on YouTube about him, him with Jacob when Jacob was like three and a half. It's hilarious. But I'll tell you something, man. I have so many great Joe Diaz stories. The very first time he took ecstasy, I gave it to him, right? And you guys started in Seattle together, right? Yeah, you we started in Seattle together. together. You know, he used to go on stage in a three-piece suit. He weighed like 230 pounds. Um, he paid would pace the stage furiously. So he made the people on the front row a little nervous. But he three-piece suit. And just like Brody, as soon as he broke out of the material and just kind of went full Joe Diaz, he would just wreck rooms. I'll tell you what I respect the most about him. There's so many things that I respect about him. Joey is not a born writer. He's not a born writer. He would sit at this cafe in North Hollywood every day for hours and make himself right. He'd make himself right. And there aren't that many people who aren't because truly, he could have just relied on his personality forever and been great. Yeah. But the fact that he made himself, he, and he knew that he could just be Joe Diaz on stage, but he, would, he made himself, he sat down because he wanted to be great. I respected that so much because I was like, Joe, you could just go on stage and talk. He was like, I want to be a great comic. I don't want to be that guy who can just go on stage and talk. And I really respected that so much. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's great. Yeah, I, I love watching him. Now, let me let me go back to you for a second because I don't want to take too much of your time. But so you've been doing this a long time now, right? Yep. And do you feel burnout coming, or are, are you going to stay with this? Do you see yourself? Do you see yourself uh, on stage for another twenty years? I'm going to tell you right now. I don't love the travel. I don't love the planes. I don't love the hotels. I like it way more now that Jacob's with me, to be honest with you. But, and I, I hope you can tell this by coming to my show. I love being on stage. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I love it. I love being on stage. And you know what else I, I really love? I love making people laugh, man. I, I love the energy in a room where everyone's having a good time. And um, I, 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 I'll do it for as long as I like it. And I don't know when that's gonna end because 
I still love it. And I still love creating. And I still love finding the right pieces to the puzzle. I still love trying things, whether they work or not. I still love every bit of the process. And, and you know what else? I've finally become comfortable with Mike. Is, you know, like I said earlier, all of us comics kind of like dark material. I finally come to grips with, I'm not Bill Burr. I'm not what? I'm not Bill Burr. I'm not going to be able, I, I don't write jokes like that. I, and I've stopped trying to be a type of comic that I'm not. I, I, and I've really, and it makes me very happy and joyful on stage just to be myself and to talk about silly shit, you know? That's great. Uh, you know, it's, I ask because I'm so on fire with it right now at 65, but I took 28 years off. Yeah. So the guys I started with, when I go to lunch, and I'm not going to say their names, but my pals, there's, ugh, why? Why? They're so burned out and they're so discouraged and they're so... Uh, nobody cares and uh, you know do you think anybody gives a fuck about a 65 and and i'm thinking i'm just like i have just a whole different energy about it and i also feel like there's not a lot of you know i, I love leanne morgan i love brad upton I, there's not but there's not a lot of comedians that stay with it later because a lot of comedians aren't healthy enough to, yeah. to be around in their seventies, you know, but, but, uh, and, and telling stories from that point of view. And, and I, you know, it's like, where, whereas like Leno still likes to be on stage. He's a rarity. Yep. You know, uh, but, Leno. but like you can tell when you're on stage that you like it, by the way, when you have lunch with your friends, do you do you both have your pill boxes out, or, or do you? No, keep no. I don't. I don't. I'm lucky. I don't have pill boxes. I don't have. I, I don't have pill boxes, but I I do take it. Have an enema <laughs> uh, stand. Don't let this bother you. Don't let this bother you. But what I love about performing in Naples, Mike, is it, it at at least one table. People have their pill boxes out with their dinner. It's amazing. You it's said something so funny. You 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 were introducing me to the owner of the club, the captain. What was his name? Brian. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian. Brian. And I had texted him a few times, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, all right, well, call me sometime." You know, yeah. and and <laughs> you said to him, "Look at him. He's perfect for this club." <laughs> and, and you you were like, "Look at this fucker." He's, he's handmade for this thing. Minted. Yeah. yeah. By the way, in Naples, you're still a young man. I would I go know. hang out there a lot if I were you. I know. That's really yeah, you're funny. Brad Pitt down there, dude. I know, man. <laughs> it's, really it's really funny. But no, I, 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 could, I honestly could see you, you know, you, you maybe need to get a second wind or do, you know, but I could see you doing this for a long time because you yeah. do love to be on stage and you are so fluid and you do you aren't you're right you're not a joke per se guy although you 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 have some great lines 
you're but you're not Jezelnik, you know, you don't it's not so it's not an act. It's not it's not um it's really just you, you know, it, and, and when you tell those stories, they're gonna just grow into different stories. And that I I think that is what would keep it very, very fresh, you know. One of the reasons that I post is is it keeps it fresh for me. There's I I I never get to the point where I'm like I'm sick of telling that joke. I I refuse to let myself get there. I have enough confidence in my ability now where I'm like post it. I'm gonna find, you're gonna find something else. Post it. You're gonna be alright. Post great. it. Something's gonna happen that you're gonna want to talk about. Post it. That story in Naples is a great example. I waited a year to tell that story because that's amazing. Right? You told it. You told it in a way that I thought you had been telling that. Worked that thing out like a, you know. No, I, it it's but it's one of the things that I love that keeps it fresh for me, Mike. Is that I, I without saying it out loud to the audience, I challenge myself. Make this funny. You're going to do this for ten minutes on stage that you haven't done before. Make it funny. You're, you, you, and I, it's what keeps it fresh for me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That, listen, it's a, it's a fun art. It's a fun art. And, you know. I will tell you, dude, I love watching you get back into it. I, it's a master class in words and language and um, no wasted. There's no us. There's no wasted words it is such a precise well-written not just joke but a joke with a point of view it's so specific dude there's there are zero people who could tell the jokes that you're telling right now we're on stage i think so maybe that's amazing that's amazing there's no nobody could be like i'm gonna take that joke no you're not that's not a joke that's gonna work for you it's so and i agree with you when people have asked me about Leanne Morgan, besides the fact that she is an expert level comic, she's speaking to people who have, as far as standup goes, have never been spoken to before. Ever. Ever. And and so like, and again, I don't want to take away from how good she is. She's been doing it for a while and is fucking amazing. Her, her confidence in her stillness and not having to, you know, to, to keep the voice like this and, and to still bring people in is crazy how amazing she does that. But she's also, she never shied away from her audience. She wasn't like, oh, who, who's going to like this? That's right. Obviously, millions and millions of people. And so I, think, I think you have to be. I think you have to just trust that and, you know, not to get gooey with you, I, I have a lot of faith. I have a lot of faith in God. You know, I really have a lot of faith, and and I and I, I just kind of come from that place of view that I do. I like to make people laugh, but I also like people laughing at me. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I I like it coming to me, but I also and I and I feel like there's a reason that I'm back doing it, and and but I also everybody everybody has a unique point of view every person and every comedian and if you find that unique point of view 
and you really trust trust it, you're going to be speaking to things and, and people like Leanne and 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 you know. I I look at the specials now like albums, you mm -hmm. know. People go, God, there's so many specials. Everyone's got a special. Well, no one ever said, God, look at how many albums that are being made. No one ever <laughs> said that. No one ever said, there's too many fucking albums. You know? Yeah, yeah. You'd find a great album. You'd go, wow, there's another great album. Another yeah. great album. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and that's the way I look at it. This is, you know, stand-up comedy has emerged, and it's a beautiful time. And if you know, if it can always handle one old Jew, you know. <laughs> Listen, if we've just decided anything today, there's always room for one more old Jew. You got it. And look, yeah. man. I I do want to come see you in Vegas, and uh, and. Uh, I, I, uh, any Monday, you got it. I'll do it. And I really, you know, what we did, it's a pretty experimental show. You know what we did? Um, there's a show called absinthe here in Vegas called what absinthe. And I, it's you have a, a lisp all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Absinthe. I went to Barcelona. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called absinthe and Joth Wolf, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Well, I wish I had a list for comedy. Yeah, right. Um, but they, two of the stars of that show are great with improv. So I said to them, I said, hey, I, want, I like to fuck around on stage. I said, will you guys come on as the smartest people on earth? And let's just let the audience ask you questions. And you guys answer them as the smartest people on earth. And they were like, okay. It was amazing. It, it added such an energy to the show because the audience knows that person, these people aren't plants. I came with that person, yeah, obviously. So they're just asking questions. And I love that energy on stage, man. I, it's sure. one of the things that, that keeps it interesting. But the, on the show on Monday is very loose. So we would love to have you come up and do whatever you want. I, I, I got to tell you one really funny story. I'll let you go. But I got to tell you this funny story. Sunday night, I was at the comedy store. And um, it, was, it wasn't a big crowd. It was, it was one of the smallest crowds I've seen at the store in years. You know, it was the thing in the end of the thing. And uh, I followed Jeremiah Watkins. Love him. Right? Who's so brilliant. And he's just such a fuck around guy. But I, I, I guess I thought, and I know him, but I don't really know him, you know, but he was messing around and he was, it was a small crowd, but they were a great crowd and he was messing around and it was so, so I, he introduces me, oh, this guy, Mike, he's great. I'm, and I go, Jeremiah Watkins, bring him back up for one round of applause. I said, Jeremiah, come on stage here, get on stage. And I, I just wanted to mess around with him. I go, come here, Jeremiah. And I put my hand around him. You know how well I know the owner of the comedy store, right? And he goes, yeah, I go, I'm going to make sure you never play here again. <laughs> and thinking this brilliant, you know, and he goes, he goes, what do you mean by that? You know, you can just see this look in his eyes rather than he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I, I go, oh, no, give him a round of applause. And he goes, he scurries off. 
and I called him afterwards because I had his number. I go, I go, man, I'm sorry. I go, I was just, I was trying to open you up to just start fucking with me, you know? Yeah. Because you were so loose. He goes, I realized that afterwards, but I didn't know. He goes, he goes, and then I realized, yeah, man, I just shut him down, <laughs> you know, but it was just, it was the funniest thing. Cause I just thought, man, I got a master improviser. He yeah. was in the mood to play. And, and he, he was, was like, I'm never hopping on stage here ever again. He, <laughs> he just went, what the fuck did I do to this guy? Hey Mike, when you were starting, when we started at open mics, if the, you got five minutes at the mic, two minutes, at least was making fun of the person who went on before you. Did I you always guys, thought so. Did you guys I do always, that too? I always thought so. Yeah. I, I, I have always thought create your first laugh. Create, don't, don't open with a joke. Don't do that to the audience. Don't do that to yourself. Go on stage and just use the moment, you know? It lets people know, if we go back to that conversation part, it lets people know, oh, that this is not the act. We're just talking. Right. And, and, and then you can slip seamlessly into jokes without people thinking that you're doing an act now because you started by just talking. Yeah, not only that, it tells them without telling them that you're confident enough to do that. That, that means you know you got, you got the goods. You're not worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we used to always mess with the guy before. That's it. Um, well, dude, this is so much fun, man. I could talk to you. I could talk to you, talk shop to you hours. You know, it's great, I, man. I love talking comedy with you. I, I absolutely love stand up. This podcast, I mean, I'm. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, man. And I, yeah. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Tell Jacob to come on sometime. We'll talk with Jacob. I would love to. You know, we on our podcast last week, we he and I talked about um, you know, Matt Reif had his special and there was a little controversy about I his saw that, yeah. first joke. But it's interesting to hear as you know, we he and I obviously different generations and what we think is funny or okay and I loved what you it. said. I loved what you, I loved your take on it. It's like yeah. fuck. What's, I, I, by by the way. Here's the thing that people are kind of mixing. A domestic violence or joke about domestic violence doesn't mean you think domestic violence is funny, right? I don't think the Holocaust is funny. I've laughed at plenty of Holocaust jokes. Do you, do you know, like, that? That's it, they're combining the two and it's not no. the same thing at all. People were telling me, oh, you think domestic violence is funny? I go, no, I don't think domestic violence is funny. But have I ever laughed at a domestic violence joke? Yeah. If it's funny. Absolutely. And the did I think the way he handled it was funny? Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. I, you know what I love the most about it? He wasn't pandering. He didn't apologize. In my mind, he was like, good. These are the people I don't want to follow me anymore. So let me just put an exclamation point on that. Oh, it's great. It was great. Yeah. I, I thought you were right what you were saying to Jacob about it. It was, it was you know, you got it. And it's it's the different generations. It's just, I, I, I will tell you, I was talking to an old guy. On, I just met an old guy on the uh, 
Santa Monica Pier. We were just talking. He was a really cool guy. He was a vet. He was 89 years old. He was born in 34 and he was a veteran and a cop and a plumber. And I said, we, I don't know how we got on this, but I said, did your generation, like we call, had, we called you the world war two and the boomers. And what did you call generations before and after he goes, yeah, we called you. They were the old fuck, old dumb fuckers. And then they were the, the, just the, the retarded little fucks. And then after that, they were just the little, little whiny bastards. And I said, okay, so I was going to also ask you when, why PC culture came around, but you answered it. You gave me a twofer, (laughs) but he had, he went every Gen X to, he had a different reason. You know what? Fuck it. I got tired of, we just called everybody what we, what we felt felt. Yeah. That's hilarious. It was so he, he had me laughing so hard. You know why they weren't the greatest generation though? I got one word for you. You know why they weren't the greatest generation? Handkerchiefs. You know, anybody who blows their nose, puts it in their pocket and then gives it to somebody else later in the day, or you, that's not the greatest generation. I'm sorry. Oh, that's hysterical. Cause my grandfather used to do that. Dude, that, you know, they would and then stuff it in. And then like, you'd have a runny nose later and they'd hand it to you. And you're like, are you out of your fucking, I just saw you blow your nose 12 times. And they, they would fold it like one of those things in grade school, you know, like, (laughs) Oh, Oh, you found your closer. (laughs) Boy, what a way to end every podcast. With a, just a snot rag routine. <laughs> uh, well, listen, dude, I appreciate you having me on very much. You're the best. You're the best. Thanks um, again, man. Can well, I tell you? Are you out on the road this week? Where are you at? Um, this week, Jacob and I are in Kansas City. We got, wow. a full, we got a full December. We're Kansas City. We're Columbia, Missouri. We're St. Louis, Missouri. We're Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. We're Nashville, and then over New Year's Eve, we're in Phoenix. And um, he and I do a podcast called Hey Man with three A's. It's really, it's such a fun thing to be able to sit across from him and talk to him for an hour. I bet. All your stuff, I'm going to put up all the links and everything, but all your stuff on YouTube is so good. So Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Good. I appreciate I you. See you soon, man. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time in Manila. Thanks again for doing it. Yeah. All right. Wow. That was fun. That's really, you know, as I was talking to him, I was making me realize why I love doing this podcast. You know, I love being right. a comedian, but more why I like talking to comedians about the world of comedy. You know, this guy just loves it and he's so good at it and he, he appreciates it and he knows it and he just, I mean, I would really recommend you and Patty just uh, throw up the links or he, he's got a, his, his YouTube channel. I, I don't know what it's called, but I have a feeling it has something with the words Josh Wolf in it, you know, but he, he, him and his son do a podcast together. Jacob, just talented kid. And, um, but he, he just and, and let's also throw up a link so people could see the, the 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 dates that he has coming up talking about 
But just if if you if you obviously if you watch, see you're gonna, you're gonna want to go see him live. He's just so worth it. And um, and that's it. And Patrick, maybe you can even talk to your buddies in the in the John Tobin Foundation to get him him at Laugh Boston, huh? It's one of those clubs. I think we've had him at Laugh Boston, but I mean, love to have him back for sure. Get him in Detroit too. I don't think he's been there yet. Because I know you guys are a little snooty. <laughs> You guys are a little uppity, <laughs> but Josh would kill. He's a killer. He's a killer. All right. That's it. That's episode 50. Um, I'm at the, uh, by the way, at the Hollywood Roosevelt this weekend with Tom Arnold. Who's a funny dude, believe it or not. I think he's just, he makes me laugh really hard. And Jimmy Shin, the great Jimmy Shin, who's got a, really cool special coming out that we'll be talking about and uh that's it so episode 50 is in the can you guys thanks so much every week we're picking up the views the things i love it go to apple and uh rate it that really helps and um if you could come over and do yard work at my place that would help too maybe you know Put one of uh, Patrick's kids through college if he's got kids coming. Anything he can do to help. Just showing up is good. Listening is good. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it.